Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. In the end, businesses create jobs and those jobs create economic opportunity. Businesses need to create jobs to solve uh, these problems in this fiscal crisis and to invest in the future. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Jack Lavin, president of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce and proud father of a high school graduate. Jack, thanks for joining us. Fran, thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. How was the celebration and where'd she graduate from and where's she going to? Sure. My daughter graduated from Walter Payton College Prep. Uh, very exciting. And she's headed off in the fall to Northeastern uh, University in Boston, although her first year will be in London. So uh, she's very excited. We're very excited. But of course, uh, our, our youngest going off to college uh, will be, uh, I'm sure, uh, certainly an emotional time for my wife and I. Oh, you're going to be empty nesters. Uh-oh. How does that Yeah, feel? well, no, we have one daughter, our oldest daughter, who has Down syndrome. She's still uh, still living with us. Uh, uh, the pandemic uh, uh, slowed down her moving uh, out of the house, so she's still living with us. So we'll have, we'll have one still left at the home. But it's an emotional time for sure. How are you feeling, Dad? <laughs> uh, I am very emotional uh, about it. Um, you know, our youngest going off, uh, she's had such a great uh, high school career in drama. She's an author. She wrote a book. She wrote the school play and directed the school play. Um, so we're very excited to see what uh, the next chapter will bring, but it, it will be very emotional when we send her off to college. Boy, she wrote a book already. I feel like a fool. I haven't done that. You haven't. Yeah. I, I certainly haven't. It's called The Labyrinth Skate. It's available on Amazon. It's, she's just an excellent author, uh, singer, uh, uh, actor. Um, so she's, uh, she's great in the fine arts, and uh, she'll be going off to London uh, for Northeastern University, studying international relations and criminal justice. Oh, wow. So I sense a couple trips to London coming up for you and your wife, huh? Absolutely. We're already planning uh, one in the fall and then maybe uh, spring break next year to, to visit uh, to visit her and maybe see some some other uh, sites in Europe and England. Good for, good for you and your wife. Three months ago, yours was one of several leading business groups to endorse Paul Vallis over Brandon Johnson in the April 4th runoff. You were pretty desperate to stop an avalanche of tax increases. You were fearful of police defunding and worried about crime. Now, Brandon Johnson is the mayor of Chicago. 
How's the fence mending going between business and the new mayor? Yeah, no, we're very encouraged, Fran, uh, uh, with uh, the start of Mayor Johnson. He's only he's been mayor a month. Uh, he came to our 119th annual meeting of membership uh, last week, where we had more than 800 people, um, and also welcomed the chair of the DNC, Jamie Harrison. But we're very encouraged. I think since uh, Mayor Johnson was elected, he's reached out to business leaders. Um, he's talking to them, getting to know them. Uh, we're, we applauded uh, the mayor last week at our annual meeting for the making the expanded outdoor dining permanent. That was one of the silver linings of the pandemic, uh, uh, expanding the outdoor dining. Uh, it, it's great for restaurants. It's great for neighborhoods. So we applauded him on that. Uh, we also were very uh uh, interested and uh, glad that he did it. He, he went down to Springfield, and one of the things he did, he stopped two pension bills uh, that were going to uh, start um, tearing down Tier 2 on the pensions, which has helped bring fiscal stability to our pension system in, in Illinois and all the municipalities around the state. He said, hold up. Uh, we need to take a comprehensive look at these pension bills. It would have been a, a sweetener for the firefighters' pension and their pensions at about 20% funded. So we're glad that he, he, from a fiscal stability standpoint, and our unfunded pensions, which are at $37 billion, he said, let's take a step back. Let's have a comprehensive look at it. He's forming a task force. Uh, we want business to be at the table. Uh, I certainly, my experience in the state with pensions and uh, and with, of course, the business community here at the Chicagoland Chamber, I think the business community is ready to sit down and talk on pensions and, and really work on a comprehensive uh, solution. And then uh, finally, at our at our um, at our annual meeting, uh, his call to action was to employ our youth both for the summer and year round. I think. Uh, that is something that uh, resonates with the business community, not only because we have talent that we need at our businesses, we need to fill talent pipelines, but it's also important for public safety. Um, in the last few years, uh, the summer jobs program in Chicago, I don't think has been as robust as it could be. Uh, so we're very encouraged um, by Mayor Johnson and his call to action and, and, and we'll be a partner. Um, the business community will be a partner. We pledge to help with both summer jobs and year-round jobs for youth. I, I think the overall message is we're better together when we collaborate, when business, labor, government leaders, community organizations, when we all work together, we're better together. And so I think so far we're encouraged by the mayor reaching out to business, working with business. Uh, we're certainly not going to agree on everything, um, but uh, so far I think we're, we're, we're encouraged and we applaud some of the actions he's taken, particularly with the expanded outdoor dining. Do we really need another pension task force? I remember Richard M. Daly had one, and they produced a voluminous report. It sat on the shelf. It gathered dust. Do we really need to study this thing to tears again? What is the answer? I, I mean, the city still has, in spite of the progress that's been made, a $33 billion pension crisis. 
yeah, Fran, I don't think we we need a task force to sit down and negotiate actual solutions. You know, the state uh, over 10 years ago passed the tier two pension. It's brought fiscal stability. And I was chief of staff for Governor Quinn at the time. Uh, we passed that. It's brought fiscal stability to our pension system. Now we need to take the next step and look at uh, some reforms that are still needed, but also how are we going to fund this? I think okay, the business what are your community, ideas? Reforms and funding. Well, we need to we need to all come to the conclusion that a constitutional amendment um, is not um, on the table. It's not going to work. I don't think uh, it, it would be. Uh, it would pass. And so we need to look beyond that. So we need to start saying, okay, we have tier two, it's brought fiscal stability. Half the beneficiaries are in tier two. Now uh, we need to look at how that can work long-term look at other things like uh, consolidating pension funds, which uh, governor Pritzker has done, but we can do more stop spiking at the uh, salaries at the end of careers um, and look at realistically, how can we fund it? How, one of the ideas is a lockbox. If we're going to raise revenue for uh, to pay the pensions, let's put the money in a lockbox uh, to make and, and have it be a lockbox and it's over the threshold that's being paid now into the pensions, if we're going to raise revenue, if we're going to do reforms and raise revenue, put that new revenue in a lockbox for the pensions. And that way, I think the business community would feel better that if revenue is being raised, it's going to solve the specific problem and funding this problem because the business community wants fiscal stability. So a lockbox is an idea. I know that the Chicagoland Chamber um, has raised that. I know the Civic Committee has raised that. Um, that's really one of the things. We passed a constitutional amendment a couple of years ago on transportation dollars and lockbox. We need to, to pass uh, a lockbox uh, for pensions that any new revenue, a portion of that or part of that is going into a lockbox to solve our pension problem. At the state, we're 40% funded. At the city, we're 20% funded. As you mentioned, it's, it's 35 to $37 billion of unfunded pension liability um, at the city. And at the state, it's well over a hundred uh, billion. Um, and it's pensions are the biggest driver of property taxes. So if we can reform and have this lockbox uh, and address the pensions in a comprehensive way, uh, we will also get property taxes under control. So it's also a property tax reform. Okay, so what's the funding source though for the city pensions? Rahm Emanuel spent great political capital that he had to identify dedicated funding sources for each of the four city employee pension funds, but they're still short. Where is the money going to come from? Where should it? Well, uh, well first, uh, we got to get the casino up and running, and that's one source. Right, but that's going to fall short too. That's going to, that's only that's $200 million at best when it's fully up and running if it does well. What else? Yeah, that's one. That's one source of funding. We got to look to the state to help, uh, particularly with the uh, Chicago Teachers Pension, which does not, uh, you know, uh, the rest of the teacher pension funds in the state get state money. Chicago Teachers Pension does not. We need to look at that, and then we need to look at um, other revenue. Uh, make sure that that revenue is solving a problem, um, and that's part of what I think the task force can sit down and look at, get business, labor government um, around the table and say, what can we do? Uh, what revenues can we look at? And let's make sure those revenues are above what the threshold is now, actuarial threshold now, 
to, and, and, and we put that additional revenue into a lockbox um, to address the pension what crisis and I mean, bring we've, fiscal we've stability. We've heard stuff about the service tax, extending the sales tax to professional services. We've heard about uh, uh, taxing retirement income. Uh, what, what, what solutions do you favor revenue-wise? I, I think that's something for this task force to sit down, not only at the city, but at the state level and what can be worked out. I think that's that's still a work in progress. I know the civic committee talked about um, the income tax. Uh, we're not saying the chamber's not saying we're for that yet, but we are for sitting down and looking at various options, uh, but making sure that any new revenue goes into a lockbox to pay the, the unfunded pension liability. Mayor Johnson campaigned on a promise to raise $800 million in taxes on business and wealthy Chicagoans to help bankroll his people investments of a billion dollars. That is the cornerstone of his anti-violence strategy. You have opposed many of those taxes, Jack, including a revived employee head tax, the tax on uh, jet fuel and hotel rooms, new user fees for high-end commercial districts frequented by wealthy suburbanites, tourists, and business travelers. Have you gotten the mayor to understand that this approach will not work and that you oppose it and that it, it is detrimental to the city and its economy? Well, we are opposed to those taxes you mentioned, Fran, and I think things like the transaction tax is probably not constitutional and the CME would move out of the city and we would lose jobs. So it would have a negative impact. I think any city income tax would not be constitutional. So we're, we are, we are against those um, taxes. We believe we need to take a step back um, and look comprehensively um, at the issues that Chicago has. We have a, we have a transit funding cliff that's gonna hit in 2026 of over $700 million. Um, as we discussed before, the unfunded pensions, uh, we have federal dollars from ARPA that are going away, which will affect the Chicago public schools. We have to balance a budget. So we need to take a step back comprehensively and look at um, what are the issues for Chicago? Where's the fiscal cliffs? Uh, how can we make sure that we aren't raising the burden on businesses um, uh, uh, to grow? Because in the end, businesses create jobs, and those jobs create economic opportunity. Businesses generate revenue, which pay for schools and public safety and other critical services. So for burdening our businesses, and we have to look at the cumulative impact of that, then they're not going to create jobs and we're not going to solve our problem because in the end businesses need to solve businesses need to create jobs to solve uh, these problems in this fiscal crisis and to invest in the future. So we need to step back, take a comprehensive look at these. I think so far, as I said, we've been encouraged by the mayor um, outreach to business leaders. Um, he has said he wants to sit down at the table. And so I think we need to sit down at the table, look at all the issues uh, that our economy and the city of Chicago is facing and start solving those issues um, before we raise new taxes for new programs. Um, we need to look at the basics that we have to deal with now, which are our schools, our transit funding, which is essential to the economy. Um, transit is essential to our economy um, in, in Chicagoland. Uh, we need to solve these basic issues first 
uh, before we create new programs. Right, but has he agreed to back off on any of these? And he has well, said I, I, that, okay, I'll negotiate this with business, but they need to replace the monies that they're taking away. So what taxes can you live with? Well, I think that's something to be, uh, that we need to work out. Um, and, and what, what will, how can we solve the issues that we have, uh, which transit funding, we need transit to, to have a uh, robust uh, Chicago land economy and the city of Chicago depends on it. So we need to to solve that issue. And where you know if if that's a seven over seven hundred million dollar funding cliff, and the previous funding cliff the transit had was a hundred million. So that's the magnitude of the issue. We need to solve those basic issues, um, and we need to be sitting down at the table. There's a statewide task force uh, right now looking at um, these issues on transit. What do we need to to make transit uh, safe and reliable and modern um, and the governance structure. So these are things being looked at that we need to put into the onto the table so we take a comprehensive look. And I think we've been encouraged by the mayor, uh, outreach to business leaders, talking to business leaders. Um, he's been mayor for a month. So, you know, uh, he's, he's starting to see, you know, a, a lot of the issues um, that you have once you, uh, become mayor and you're not, you know, you know, you're no longer in a campaign. You're actually the mayor. And I think that he will sit down and look at all these things and we need to sit down with him. Um, and like I said, we've been encouraged by his outreach to business leaders. We've been encouraged by uh, early signs with the expanded outdoor dining, which will help create jobs. Uh, uh, our common ground working on summer jobs and youth jobs um, and uh, his work, uh, and Springfield on stopping these pension bills. So the, there's very encouraging signs that the mayor is is going to do what he said, which is sit down with business leaders, sit down with the business community, along with community organizations and labor leaders, and and work uh, and work things out. Right, but what makes you think that his budget isn't going to include a lot of taxes? He has to. He has to deliver for the people who elected him. Yeah, and I think we we need to, like I said, look at the basics, which are Chicago public schools, uh, transit, uh, looking at our unfunded pensions. Because if we don't have those solved, we won't have a balanced budget and fiscal stability. So I think all these things are going to be discussed as he as he gets uh, uh, through the summer and to introduce his budget um, in the fall. Um, and we'll we want to uh, be at the table talking to him, looking at all these issues. And I think he has said um, that he wants the business community at the table. So uh, we're encouraged by that. We're not going to agree on everything. Um, you know, I think uh, the Chicago Land Chamber is a pragmatic uh, business group. We know that um, government, education, public safety, critical uh, city services are not free. Uh, we know we have a, a pension liability of over of about $37 billion. Um, all these things um, are not free and they require um, uh, solutions. And so we're looking for reforms before revenue. So are you asking him to hold off on new programs until he solves the basics first? Because we have these cliffs all over the place. We, we're surrounded by funding cliffs. Yeah, I think I think that uh, we need to make sure that we are we are taking care of transit, which is important to our 
uh, economy uh, working. We need to look at education and and uh, the the issues when the federal funding goes away from both education and and transit. And what does that mean? Because you know we can only tax residents and businesses so much before that cumulative impact um, starts impacting jobs. Um, and if we uh, if we uh, tax the business community and tax the residents of Chicago too much, then um, that will hinder and hurt uh, economic development and and hinder uh, job creation. So we need to look at um, the whole picture, um, and we need to look at the basics, which include transit, uh, education, unfunded pension liabilities, um, and public safety. And we need to look at all these things. And we we think there's there's common ground. I mean, part of what the mayor says, uh, especially on public safety, is we need long-term and short-term solutions. The long-term solutions are investing um, in our communities, um, employing our youth, um, filling talent pipelines. I think for the business community, uh, we do need talent, and we need to fill talent pipelines. Uh, we we have many companies that have invested on the south and west side, um, in the former mayors of Best Southwest. So I, I think there's a lot of common ground here. Uh, I think we all want the, 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 the safest, uh, best big city uh, in America that has uh, uh, equitable economic opportunity. And I think that um, I think we can have, find common ground and work together. Um, and like I said, we're encouraged so far uh, by the mayor's outreach to the business community. You've also complained long and hard about the burden posed by property taxes, rising property taxes, and about the assessor's decision to shift more of the burden to business. Brandon Johnson campaigned on a promise to freeze property taxes that he said were squeezing the middle class out of Chicago, and yet he's doing nothing to stop a $130 million property tax increase for the Chicago Chicago public schools. Should the mayor step in and stop this tax to the max increase on the heels of so many others? You know, I think we need to make sure we have the best public school system uh, in the country because uh, education is important uh, to our future. Talent is the number one asset uh, for businesses. And so we have to have an education system uh, that can educate our youth, our, our young people, so that we have a future workforce. And so we need to invest in that education. I know one of the areas uh, that they're increasing spending on is special education. And having a daughter with Down syndrome who went through Chicago Public Schools, I think that is very important. We need to make sure that uh, we're investing in all our students uh, of all abilities. Um, so I think we, you know, it, we we are not an organization. Our businesses don't think absolutely no uh, knee-jerk reaction, no to taxes. We need to make sure that we're investing in the future. And I think um, our our schools and our our students and our young people um, we need to we need to invest in their education uh, for the future strength of Chicago's economy. With the Bears saying now that the side of of the old Arlington International Race Course they purchased for $197 million is no longer their singular focus. 
because of the property tax assessment there and a dispute with local school districts over future property taxes, Mayor Johnson has a little bit of an opening to try and keep the Bears in Chicago if he's willing to make this a priority. Should this be a priority? And if so, where should it be built? Because it's not going to be Soldier Field. That won't cut it for them. You know, I think that the, the Bears are a business and they're going to make um, the best decision that they need to make um, for their business and and uh, professional sports teams, particularly football, they need modern stadiums with an entertainment district around them. And like any business, they want to have stability uh, in their property taxes, stability in whatever taxes they're paying, particularly property taxes. So I think the Bears, you know, when we, when we attract companies to Chicago or to Chicago and uh, we often uh, work on the property taxes. I know county, you know, has a has a, a program to abate property taxes. And businesses want to know have stability in the property taxes. So what the bears are asking for is very reasonable. We want to know what our property taxes will be. I think the opportunity um, uh, there is an opportunity uh, given that the bears have taken a step back from the Arlington Heights. I think there's an opportunity for the mayor uh, to put something forward. Um, and uh, part of that is going to be what kind of stability can you you have um, on property taxes. But the economic impact of the Bears um, for the city of Chicago, for Chicagoland, if, it, if it's in Arlington Heights, is tremendous. Um, and it's, it showcases Chicago uh, to, to the world uh, at least 10 weeks uh, out of the year. Um, and so I think that uh, there is opportunity here. I know also with Soldier Field, it's it, it's a it's an important civic asset to the city. It's part of the museum campus. Um, so uh, we need to make sure we take care of Soldier Field, whether it can meet the Bears' needs uh, or not. Um, that remains to be seen. Uh, stadiums don't have to be. Uh, more than 70,000 anymore. The biggest thing is about premium seats um, and that kind of revenue uh, and being able to have an entertainment district around. And the biggest population for the Bears, um, you know, is is in Chicago. Um, it could also be uh, in the suburbs, uh, but, uh, you know, there is an opportunity here um, for Mayor Johnson to, to to look at this and work with the Bears. Right. So where would it go? You have the South Loop uh, site known as the 78, which is bisected by a railroad track within University of Illinois building an academic and research hub there. You have this South Work site that has bedeviled every developer's ever tried because it's contaminated. You have this silver shovel dump site at Roosevelt and Costner. You have Finkel Steel. You have McCormick Place East. And then you have Lincoln Yards in trouble financially, so much so that they've approached the teacher's pension fund. Where would you like to see him pitch the Bears for a new stadium in Chicago? I, Fran, I think all those sites are interesting sites. There, there's a lot in, that needs to be looked at. As I said, a modern NFL stadium needs to have an entertainment district around it. So you have to look at the infrastructure and the mobility, uh, the transit infrastructure mobility for fans to get in and out. Uh, for an entertainment district, uh, can uh, tourists and, and customers get in and out? 
Um, you've got environmental issues for some of those sites. Uh, uh, I meant, you know, when I became director of DCO in 2003, that U.S. Steel site uh, was being looked at back then. On the first day on the job, somebody mentioned that, and and obviously there's 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 issues. So any of those sites. Uh, you know, I, I, I defer to the, the city and, and their planners to look at all the factors that, that come there. And then I think the city would sit down with the Bears, and the Bears need to, to communicate what their needs are uh, for a modern stadium with an entertainment district around it. Um, so I think it's, once again, it, it's communication. It's working together. We're better together when we all sit down, whether it's business labor, government, community organizations uh, working together. And I think the Bears are like any other business. They're going to make the best decision that the Bears need to make uh, to make their their uh, company do well. Um, and I think the city of Chicago and the mayor should will has started communication and will sit down with them and, and ask what their needs are and then look at different sites and see how those meet the needs um, and what kind of investment uh, both the Bears might need to make and the city of Chicago might need to make to make a site work. But you'd really like to see him try and keep the Bears and make a hard sell to keep them in Chicago. You think it's important to the city? I think it's important to Chicago land and the Bears are a business and they're going to make the best decision that they can make for their business. And I certainly think uh, the city of Chicago uh, should make the best uh, pitch that they can um, to keep the Bears in Chicago, and I know the Bears will also look at, at other locations, but just like any economic development, the Bears want to know stability in their property taxes, stability in their costs of, of operating in a, in a, in a, a city or, an, or a region, um, and we don't want to overburden our businesses uh, with taxes and regulatory burdens. And so I know the Bears are looking at all those factors, um, the city of Chicago and um, Arlington and, and other locations. NASCAR is weeks away from invading Chicago and tying up city streets. Was this worth the trouble? I mean, should we stay locked into this three-year thing? Or was this something that you is like a nightmare we have to get through? No, absolutely. I, I think the, we need to be innovative uh, and collaborative and think of new ideas uh, coming out of the pandemic. So uh, economic recovery uh, it, you, after the pandemic, it's it's tougher than ever to, to, to get companies to come uh, and, and make those decisions. And, and NASCAR could have gone anywhere in the country and they chose Chicago to make the biggest investment they're making in the future of NASCAR. So I think you know, it's over $100 million of economic impact. They expect 100, 000, over 100,000 attendees. It's a two-day commercial um, to show off the world, uh, uh, Chicago to the world, and, and what Chicago has to offer. So I think it's, uh, I think it's well worth the investment, thinking outside the box of how we're going to bring, bring back tourists uh, and economic opportunity uh, to our hospitality and restaurant and hotels. Um, I do think, you know, just like the meeting yesterday at the at city council, um, NASCAR has to put their plan out there and, and there's got to be a lot of communication like any big festival, Lollapalooza, others. Um, they got to they got to be efficient, uh, exceed expectations um, and uh, make sure uh, that that they operate well. And this is their first year. So there you know, there could be a learning curve, but I think it's well worth the opportunity uh, for jobs uh, and tourism. 
office occupancy is still about half of what it was before the pandemic. What is it going to take to get office workers back downtown? What do companies and building owners have to do to entice more people to come down, particularly on Mondays and Fridays when it is desperately slow? Fran, that's a great question. We had a program at the chamber on that yesterday with our, our tech council. And I said, haven't we been talking about this for a long time? And we have, and I don't think there's one answer. I think it's going to be a continued uh, drive to grow the number. Uh, we were at, you know, 40%, now we're at 50%. It's going to be a continued growth in that. I think one of the really important things is our transit and our CTA. Um, safety and reliability, a lot of employees uh, who work downtown, um, you know, are that's one of the things they raise when they say about coming back downtown is, is safety and reliability on our public transit. So we need to continue uh, to work on that. We need to continue to have um, uh, our, our cultural and museums and those kinds of things happening in downtown to, to create an energy and a vibrancy uh, to get people back. And businesses are doing lots of different things. They're providing lunch, breakfast, um, but also it, it's about a company's culture um, and bringing people together and having that innovation that happens when people are together. I know at the chamber, our events, um, you know, our event number of events are going up and people love to be together. So I think there's no single answer. We need to continue working on it uh, from many different angles um, and uh, and we'll continue to, to drive that number up. I don't think it'll be what it was prior to the pandemic, but it will continue to grow. And office occupancy is, I mean, uh, the vacancy rate rather on North Michigan Avenue is still 28%. Uh, do you see demand picking up for downtown retail spaces, whether it's Michigan Avenue or ground floor spots in loop office buildings? I, I see it picking up, Fran, because, you know, you have, you look at things like NASCAR coming. You look at the Democratic National Convention coming to Chicago in 2024. These uh, events could have gone anywhere and they chose Chicago. So that tells you that there's confidence in Chicago. And I think as as we um, get these events happening, it's gonna bring people back. It's gonna be um, a commercial uh, to showcase all that Chicago has to offer at these high profile events. And that will generate uh, more tourists and more people coming back. And that will help um, uh, address um, the occupancy rates. And I also think we need to look at, you know, uh, uh, you know, downtown revitalization tax credits to, to bring in new kinds of retail, experiential retail. We need to look at the infrastructure and, and maybe perhaps uh, Michigan Avenue changed some of that. The, the Mag Mile did a, a study which uh, or had, a, had a, a task force group uh, which the chamber participated with lots of ideas um, to maybe uh, do some outdoor dining, do other things that attract people um, and make it uh, a warmer place uh, to be. Um, so all these things are, are going to happen. Experiential retail, making connections to the lakefront um, that will uh, improve occupancy along Michigan Avenue. And crime's still part of it, right? Uh, crime is still part of it, and, and public safety um, is still uh, very important. We need to fast-track implementation of the consent decree. We need to embrace community policing. We need to hold stakeholders accountable. We're, we're working on an accountability and transparency organization for public safety, similar to what 
Civic Federation does for budgets and Advance Illinois does for education to hold all the stakeholders accountable. We hope to launch that soon. We need to apply data analysis and best practices to recruiting and retaining uh, police officers and modernizing our police force. We need to take a step back. How do we use data to deploy um, uh uh, police officers into our community so we can embrace community policing. Uh, we need to look at the vacancy rate and 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 do how many officers do do we need? And I I think you wrote about a friend the ratio of sworn officers to to uh, administrative positions and and I think we're at thirteen to one and cities like LA are three to one. So we don't have to have all sworn police officers uh, to fill the jobs. We can have civilians to s fill some of those jobs. All these things are a part of public safety. And of course, we need to get a, a new superintendent um, and, and build a public safety strategy that then um, we work with all the stakeholders, businesses, tourists, uh, uh, conventions, uh, to build that strategy. And then we need to communicate that strategy. Um, you know, uh, we need to communicate that strategy to all the stakeholders, um, citizens, businesses, uh, tourists, uh, suburban people coming to Chicago and working in Chicago, um, and all the employees in Chicago. So we communicate that strategy and say, we're, we're, here's our strategy and then measure the, the progress towards that strategy. And that will, that will change some of the perceptions. There's reality and perception. Um, and we need to change uh, some of these perceptions uh, of the city and public safety. How's Fred Waller doing as interim superintendent? I think he's doing a good job. I think, like you said, we're, we're, we we need to embrace community policing. I think that uh, that uh, is happening uh, moving forward. Uh, we we need to continue to uh, to work towards the consent decree. Um, so I think that that's happening. He is the interim. We need a we need to get a permanent uh, superintendent, whoever that is, um, and 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 start building that strategy and a plan. Um, and uh, I think that uh, I think we'll have that soon. Jack Levin, thank you so much for joining us again. Happy Father's Day. Congratulations to your graduate. And we will see you all next week. Thank you for having me, Fran. I really appreciate it.